Welcome to Words of Grace, radio ministry of Elder Ben Winslet, pastor of the Flint River Primitive Baptist Church near Huntsville, Alabama. We invite you to stay tuned to today's broadcast. We welcome you to another edition of Words of Grace, and our broadcast today is entitled, Leaving Those Things Which Are Behind. It is so hard for us to believe that we are now at the close of yet another year. This is our final broadcast to be produced for 2023. We launched Words of Grace as a local to Huntsville program back in January 2008, which seems like it should at most be just under a decade ago, but that is far from the case. This actually makes Words of Grace coming up at the beginning of this next year 16 years old. If you're a longtime listener, or maybe you're a more recent listener, every minute that you've tuned in to Words of Grace, whether over the airwaves or via our podcast, our church website, marchdesign.com, or Grace Alone Radio, anywhere it is that you listened to Words of Grace, I am thankful, so thankful, for every minute that you've tuned in to give me an opportunity to share something with you from the Word of God. Your time is so very precious, and I greatly appreciate the fact that you tune into this ministry. Think about it this way. Time spent is non-refundable. You can't go get a refund for 30 minutes of your life that you spent doing something, which is the length of this radio program every week. And to give me a portion of your time each week, even if it's brief, is something that I treasure. I don't take this lightly. So here's to a great year together on the air as 2024 brings us a fresh start. Let's go through the year together. I'll continue, if the Lord wills, making these broadcasts, and I hope that you continue to tune in. And let's see what the Lord has in store for us to His glory in this upcoming year. If you are a longtime listener or you're joining us for the first time today, I would love to hear from you. You can go to flintriverpbc.org and find a variety of ways to get in contact with us, either via email or social media or the old-fashioned way through the U.S. Postal Service. I'm so very thankful for every single point of contact that I have with my listeners. It makes my day. It gives me fuel to continue this ministry. I'm so very thankful for your contacting me. I'm very thankful for you, and I am appreciative of your time. As we began our broadcast today, I introduced our subject to you, which I entitled, Leaving Those Things Which Are Behind. Now, if you're a Bible reader, you probably recognize that language as it was a variation of a passage of the Bible, leaving those things which are behind. That's a fitting slogan as we go into a new year, because no matter who you are, there are things that you and I need to leave in this previous year, 2023. If you change jobs at the end of the year, there's a job that you left behind, if you repented of things or walked away from a negative crowd, there are people that you need to leave behind. There might be attitudes that you and I have embraced that we need to leave behind as we press into the future. In 2020 and 2021 and parts of 2022, we went through a very traumatic time together as a society. 
And we don't often speak about that. Maybe we don't even like to talk about that, but we did. We went through trauma together. You had the fear of a pandemic that swept through our country, the uncertainty, the confusion that was involved in it. We had countless political scandals. Some of you may have lost loved ones to the COVID virus that swept through our country. I did. I lost an uncle, among other people that I knew from the community. And some of you may have lost friends on either side of that issue because of your opinion on what was happening in the world. It was a very hostile time. It was a very tense time. It was a time with a lot of confusion and animosity. And because of that, we've all gone through trauma that we're starting to work through and we're starting to get past. There are things that you and I need to leave in 2023, maybe attitudes, maybe hurt feelings, things that we would be better if we just let go of them and put them down and walked away from them. You probably recognize, leaving those things which are behind, that language, which, again, is a variation of a passage in the Bible. Maybe it was merely familiar to you, or maybe you knew exactly where the passage of Scripture was that I borrowed when I reworded it for the title of today's broadcast, Leaving Those Things Which Are Behind. I actually borrowed these words from the book of Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. Now, to be very clear, I said I borrowed them, and I made a little variation to them, which if you're a Bible reader, you would have caught that. Paul wrote in Philippians 3.13, This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'd like to use that statement, forgetting those things which are behind, or the way that I worded it in light of the new year, leaving those things which are behind. I'd like to use this as our theme for today's broadcast. And what we want to do, number one, is to explain this passage in its context, because it can be a very dangerous thing to take a statement out of the Word of God and build an entire message on it if we don't actually rightly explain what the statement meant in the first place. I believe it applies to what we're looking at today, forgetting things in the past and pressing towards the future as we serve Christ. But I would do you a disservice if I didn't go through this verse by verse and explain it to you, what Paul is saying when he says he forgets things which are behind. Certainly, a man is not to forget his family and forsake his family to go pursue Christ, because pursuing Christ means I should love my wife and love my children. Obviously, I'm not to forsake working. You say, I'm going to forget that I ever had a job and never go work again in this new year. Well, that wouldn't work because God says if we don't work, we also shouldn't eat. So there are obviously things that Paul has in mind, and there are things that he doesn't have in mind, as he says that he forgets things which are past and presses towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. After we explain this passage, we want to speak to the biblical discipline of self-evaluation and the needed corrections that we ought to make as we examine ourselves. And then lastly, we want to apply this to our new year, 2024, to look at our lives, to self-examine ourselves, and to press into this new year, making necessary corrections, leaving certain things behind that are destructive to us, things that we don't need in this new year. First of all, the passage. What is Paul's point 
in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. This particular line of thought begins in chapter 3 and verse 1 with the word finally. And you can tell by that word that he's shifting the focus into another line of thought, though none of this epistle is disconnected from the rest of this epistle. Every statement is intentional. This is a letter with a specific subject addressed to a specific church with specific needs. And so none of this can be extracted from its context. But with the word finally, you can tell this is a little bit of a transition word. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Now, pausing right here, Philippians is a very joyful and encouraging letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. He would praise them for their faithfulness. He poured his affection from his heart for them out in this letter when he describes them as his joy and his crown. He loves them. He is thankful for them. They have ministered unto him. They have been an obedient congregation. They're not perfect, as we'll see in a moment, but they are a very devoted, spiritually mature congregation. This is a very, very godly group of people. They don't have the problems that Paul would write to, let's say, the church at Corinth and address. They don't have the problems that the Lord Jesus would address to a church like Laodicea in Revelation 3. This is a great congregation, and anybody would be blessed if they love the Lord to be a part of this church in Philippi. And yet, this epistle isn't even without its own exhortation to them of some things that maybe they need to work on. In fact, they do need to work on as a congregation. He instructed them to work out some sort of schism that had developed between at least a couple of sisters. He told them in chapter 2, to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. That has reference to the deliverance from the troubles that they're experiencing. It's God which works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. And so you can tell that he's exhorting them to work out some sort of trouble within their congregation and to do this without fighting, murmuring or disputing. But in chapter 4 and verse 2, he comes right to the point. I beseech Euodius and Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. So there was obviously something that needed to be worked out here in the church at Philippi, and Paul very gently, but also specifically, calls these problems to their attention and exhorts them to deal with that before it creates a greater problem in the church. And again, God's working in them. God is with them. They are doing to will and to do of his good pleasure, God is going to help them work this out as long as they're being humble about it and trying to work it out with the help of other brothers and sisters in Christ. In this particular portion of the letter, chapter 3, from which we borrowed the language, forgetting those things which are behind, or as we reworded it for today, leaving those things which are behind, Paul is writing of how great it is to be a follower of Christ in light of his past, the sorts of things that he did and was, things that he took pride on earlier in his life. He does this by contrasting and warning against the sort of religion that he left behind. Notice this in Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. For me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you, it is safe. He writes the same truths again, 
There are no new truths in the world, though we might try to make them fresh as we can while presenting them, and the Holy Spirit certainly can make the same old truths feel new to us over and over again as we hear them preached. And while there is no truth that is new in the world, it might be new to you. But if it was true, it was always true. We want to be continually learning to try to grow in the truth, to learn more truth, but even if it's new to us, it's not actually new. There are mysteries that have been hid from the foundation of the world that were revealed to people at certain periods of time in history, but those were things that were true that were revealed. There's actually no new truth in the world because God is eternal and God knows all things. And so the truth is the truth is the truth. And so Paul says that it's not grievous to write these same truths to you. It's never grievous to preach the same doctrinal truths over and over. In fact, the word that Paul would use is the word safe. It's a safe thing for the church to hear the doctrinal truths that the Bible teaches over and over again. Now, there's a lot of things that are preached in 2023, soon to be 2024 America, that probably are not so safe. There are fables preached. There are traditions preached. There are doctrines of men and even doctrines of devils that are preached. There are substitutes for the gospel that are preached, legalisms, pietism, and also on the other side, you have liberalism that is preached and self-help that is preached, politics that is preached. God's preachers need to preach the truth. We need to share the truth from God's Word, of His Word. We need to tell the truth and preach the truth, and as we do that, it's never grievous for us to do, and it shouldn't be grievous for us to hear. Verses 2 and 3, Paul begins to get specific in his contrast of what he used to know versus what he's enjoying now in Christ. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. And as he writes those three things, you might find this even offensive, he doesn't really have reference to canines when he says beware of dogs. He's talking about people who do certain things. Because the word dog was used as a slur against Gentiles, in the first century among those who were of the nation of Israel. It's possible that when he says beware of dogs, he has reference to pagan Gentiles who oppose the gospel of Christ. Beware of evil workers, people who do things that are sinful. But this word here, concision, beware of the concision. Notice immediately he goes into, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Concision in the Greek language is actually a word for mutilation. And then he says that we're the circumcision that worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. And what he's referring to, I believe, is the circumcision of the heart. He's referring to being born again. According to Romans chapter 2, if you are born again, you are a spiritual Jew. You have been circumcised of the heart. The hard and stony heart has been removed, and a heart of flesh has been given unto you. There, as we recently studied, has been a change that has been made. Regeneration brings a change. Something is taken away. Something is added as the laws of God are written upon our hearts. You're no longer dead in trespasses and in sins. You're no longer completely depraved. What he seems to be doing here is contrasting being a born-again person who has the circumcision of the heart 
with a person that was an Old Testament adherent of the law who doesn't know or didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ and trusted in their physical circumcision as a way to justify themselves before God. And interestingly enough, the word that Paul uses here is the word concision, which is a word that has reference to mutilation. Now, I'm sure that was very offensive for people to read who didn't agree with Paul in the first century, but that is what Paul does here in this passage. Paul says here that he has no confidence in the flesh, and then he elaborates. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh he has whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more. Paul says if anyone, specifically speaking of Jews who did not believe in Christ in his present day, contemporaries among his nation, if anybody had reason to boast in their Hebrew pedigree, well, it would be the Apostle Paul. He says that he was circumcised the eighth day, he's of the stock of Israel, he's of the tribe of Benjamin, he's a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, he was a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is of the law, blameless. He says, I was so zealous that I persecuted the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and as it related to the keeping of the law in my mind at the time and in the minds of many my peers in my nation, I was blameless in my adhering to this Old Testament law. If you were looking on outer manners of the flesh, you would be very impressed with Paul if you were basing his worth on his pedigree as a Hebrew. And yet, what does Paul say of this? But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. He says, Christ is more important than those things. Yea, doubtless. And I count all things but loss, all things for loss. Leaving his pedigree, he counts everything of this world for loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. That is a very strong word. He counts them as literal waste to be discarded for Christ, that he might win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. Again, going back to this old versus new covenant contrast, but that which is through the faith of Christ, and again, referring back to a recent broadcast, faith in you is of Christ in you, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his righteousness and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained. Paul doesn't consider himself to have already done all of his goals in the world in the pursuit of Christ. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus— Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He doesn't believe he's arrived. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That was a lot of scripture that I just read, and we don't have time to go into all of this today. But suffice it to say, Paul has goals in mind. He wants to draw closer to Christ. He wants to have fellowship with Christ. He wants to have a greater knowledge of Christ. He wants to experience Christ in his life. And so he is willing to count everything as dung. And then he 
presses forward and he presses forward and he presses forward, never thinking that he has attained what he's seeking, never thinking he's arrived, never satisfied that it's enough, but he continues to press forward and plod along as a follower of Christ, seeking to forget those things which are behind and reach forth unto those things which are before. We stand at the threshold of a new year. If you paid attention as we read, this brought us to the language that I want to borrow, that I'm borrowing for today's broadcast, forgetting those things which are behind, or as we titled today's broadcast, leaving those things which are behind. Bringing us to our last two points for today, which are obviously shorter points to make. Our second major point for today, the Bible contains exhortations to self-examine, and the new year is an excellent time to examine our lives and make necessary changes. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, Paul writes to the church at Corinth, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except or unless you be reprobates? But I trust you shall know that we are not reprobates. Paul says here to examine to see if you are in the faith. Now, this is addressed to a congregation. The point is not to examine to make sure you're not an unregenerate, and if so, to do something about it. If a person is unregenerate, they cannot do anything about it any more than a corpse can impact his situation, because prior to regeneration, we are dead in trespasses and in sins. After all, he reminds them that Christ is in them. These are saved people called to be saints who would be confirmed blameless unto the end. But sometimes these words, the faith, references a body of truths to be believed, like the faith once delivered to the saints. Certainly a church is to do this. Examine yourselves, church at Corinth, to see whether you be in the faith, that is to say, whether you are believing and practicing the faith that was once delivered to the saints. They are to examine themselves as a congregation. When people examine themselves, it stands to reason that if something amiss is found, they are to correct it. Another exhortation to examine ourselves and make necessary changes is found in the other letter that Paul wrote this congregation, 1 Corinthians 11.28, and this has reference to examining oneself before taking communion, that one does not drink condemnation unto themselves. What specifically does that mean? Well, if we take communion with an improper attitude, we can bring God's chastening and judgment upon ourselves. And so we examine ourselves before we take communion to make sure that we are not taking it, as Paul would say, unworthily. We want to be doing this out of affection and love for Christ and not any other reason. Lastly, under the concept of self-examination, The Old Testament prophet Haggai, in speaking the word of the Lord, told post-Restoration Israel to consider their ways. As you think about examining oneself, you could also think to consider our ways. In this specific case, they had worked very hard for their own lives and their own homes in rebuilding Jerusalem, but they neglected the rebuilding of God's house. And so God rebukes them for working on their sealed houses while his house lies waste. And because of that, God had prevented a degree of their success. 
And so he says for them to consider their ways. Notice this in the first 11 verses of Haggai chapter 1. They looked for much. They brought in little. God had blown on everything that they had. They were not as successful as they could have been despite their hard work because they were not putting an emphasis upon God's house as they should have. And what does God say? Consider your ways. Self-examine. And so the last point that we want to consider today, things to leave behind in 2023. Or perhaps, put another way, things we can make some positive change in for this new year. Some call these New Year's resolutions, and for everyone who practices such, there's at least one curmudgeon who comes along and criticizes the notion. Well, to be fair, if I'm sinning in June, I don't need to wait until January to repent. But New Year's are just that, new opportunities. And with a new year, I have the opportunity for change, so I personally believe these are good things. God created the calendar for us for a reason. He made us in time, bound to time, to live in time, and that included times and seasons. God himself said his mercies are new every morning. That's a new beginning. Every week is seven days, and then we have a new beginning. And God gave his own festivals and feasts tied to the calendar, which included periods of self-examination and reflection with the opportunity for positive change. So what sorts of things exist that we can leave behind in 2023? Here's just a few. Number one, behaviors that are sinful. This one goes without saying. But because we are sinners, we have blind spots, some Things perhaps we sin in that we know are wrong and we continue to do anyway. We just haven't dealt with it. So some self-examination is a good way to perhaps shed light on areas wherein we need repentance. It's also not bad to pray to God for a healthy dose of conviction in areas where he is offended, but we might be unaware. We get nose blind sometimes to our own sinfulness. Number two, bad tendencies. Maybe you have problems with overindulging on food, and you need to leave that in 2023. Maybe you overspend money. Maybe you need to get control of your finances. We have a new beginning. We have a new year. Perfect opportunity for that. Maybe you oversleep. Maybe you have a problem managing how much you sleep. Rise from your sleep. A little sleep, a little slumber, as the Proverbs say. Maybe you have a lack of organization that you need to deal with for this next year. Now, you might be getting nervous and offended at me for what I'm saying, but this is a good opportunity to make changes in some of our structure and our habits to do better, to be more efficient in the new year. And this list could go on and on and on in this area of focus. Number three, there are people in our lives that we probably need to leave behind in 2023. Not to be rude, but there are people that you need to avoid. If people lead you away from the Lord, if they lead you to do things that aren't good, if they tempt you to sin, then you need to call on them to repent, and if they don't, you need to walk away. There are people that many of us need to leave in 2023 as we go into 2024. And then lastly, as we bring our broadcast to a close, we need to look for, press on to, Areas that we can find some positive growth in 2024. Christianity isn't just about do not. It's not just thou shalt not. That's more like the law, isn't it? 
Well, there are things we shouldn't do, but Christianity isn't just about the do-nots. But there are countless things that we can grow in. Christianity is a joyful religion. It is a happy faith. It is one of relationship and assurance and comfort and peace. And I would just exhort you to grow because growing gives blessings. You will be a more blessed person as you study the Word of God, as you pray to Him daily, as you work on being a forgiving person, as you work on being a joyful person, as you work on the spiritual disciplines, as you go to church and hear the Word of God read, and you sing praises to Him, and you worship Him, and you make church a priority, and loving your fellow man, your spouse, your children, your parents a priority. May we leave the bad behind in 2023, and we grow in the good in this new year that we have together. Again, I'm Ben Winslet, thanking you for listening to Words of Grace today, inviting you to write. Let me know that you've received today's broadcast, and also to tune in again next week at this time. Until then, may the Lord's richest blessings be yours, is my prayer. If you enjoy the messages you hear on Words of Grace, consider this your invitation to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. Copies of this and other broadcasts are available for download on iTunes and on our website. Address your correspondence to Words of Grace Radio, 641 Moontown Road, Brownsboro, Alabama, 35741, or visit us online at flintriverpbc.org. Yeah.